got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. After the success of the first Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, a sequel was rushed into production and part two was released to theaters less than a year later in November of 1985. Wes Craven was of course the easy choice to follow up on his own hit film, but citing a desire to try something new in the world of cinema for a while, Craven would not return for the second Nightmare. Instead, Jack Shoulder would direct a script written by David Chaskin. Shoulder was in the director's chair for only his second feature ever, having directed the 1982 slasher Alone in the Dark, and Chaskin was writing his first produced script. The tremendous gap in experience behind the scenes from the first nightmare absolutely affected what audiences eventually saw on the screen. But more than just a steep drop in quality, audiences also saw something in the second nightmare that the movie has become famous for. Originally denied and deflected by the writer, director, and even returning producer Robert Shea, The Second Nightmare contains some not-so-subtle subtext about the repressed sexuality of the film's male star. It's a reading of the film that cannot be denied and really was never meant to be. But the world was quite different in 1985. Looking back so many years later through a modern lens, what was the movie really trying to say about repressed homosexuality? And beyond the subtext, at a more basic level, did it ever even work as an effective horror movie and a follow-up to a new type of slasher? Find out as we discuss in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, here in The Last Theater. Welcome back to The Last Theater. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And this is Part 2 of our Nightmare on Elm Street franchise retrospective it's going to be a 10 episode retrospective if you missed the first one go back to cnjradio.com to check out the first in the series and here are very lengthy talk a little bit longer than i had hoped but i could still be talking about the first nightmare we'll just tell this one's way shorter this one's going to be a lot shorter of course <laughs> even if you haven't seen nightmare on elm street part two I think you've probably heard about it because of what it's become over the years. It's kind of become a cult. It's kind of gotten a cult status. Yeah, it's infamous in a way, but yeah. I think... So we'll get into that aspect of it later because <laughs> sure. I have some things to say about yeah. what it says about the repression and how the ending of the movie really kind of undercuts everything that it had built up oh, throughout yeah. the entire movie. I got a lot to say about it too. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with where we were at when it came out? I was very conscious of pop culture at this time. In 1985? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was I was feeling it, man. I was already going to the theater and like yeah. remembering yeah. the movies. Back to the Future, of course. Sure. Saw it in the theater. Yeah. I guess, I, mean, I don't remember. It was, I mean, we're only a year apart in age. Yeah. But I don't really remember going to movies at this time in my life. Hmm. I, well, yeah, I mean, you're, but you're, I do remember, like, Back to the Future. I do remember movies from that time, so yeah, I know sure. I must have done it. Yeah. I remember having conversations with your parents and your dad, especially, like, not a big fan of people in the theater. Yeah. And I totally get yeah. that. So, uh, but yeah, I remember specifically seeing television commercials advertising mm. this film. 
And even like during like post, there was that kind of gap post Saturday morning cartoon into like whatever, whether it was Soul Train or some music video show. And I remember seeing this like during the day advertised. There was a hard campaign for this. So much so that I noticed it. And I was kind of aware of it just because of the video box of the first one. Yeah. But I I think the first time I saw Freddy Krueger was in that commercial. And it's it's actually one of the better shots in the film where during the ridiculous party scene where he raises his arms up and says, you're all my children now. Yeah. That got me. Like, I was like, what is this? Yeah. You know, so. And that's used in a lot. I think that may be the image they used in the NES game later on, the, like hmm. the title screen. I oh, think wow. that might be what it is. Oh, cool. Because I do remember, like, that shot. He has his arms kind of out and the Fire hand... Yeah, but the hand is, like, the meat hand. It's not the glove. Like, in the movie... It goes a little back and forth depending on whether it's Jesse or Freddy. But yeah. he has like the hand with the knives coming out of his actual fingers. Yeah. Or sometimes he has the glove. And in the NES game, sorry, this is a weird tangent. No, it's all right. In the NES game, <laughs> the title screen, he's got the the, the hand hand, not the yeah. glove hand. So anyway, yeah. long story short, I yeah. think that's it's one of the very few really strong images in Nightmare Part 2, which when we were talking about the first one, that movie is built on its imagery for a large portion of why it's so great. But in this one, it's just not there. Like, it is, there is, (laughs) that's the only really, there. I mean, there's some neat effects. There's some shots that I do like in this film, which we'll talk about sporadically here and there, but there's not a whole lot. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, to me, not necessarily shots, but there's some great effects. Yeah, well, I mean, there are just a few things, I'll I'll just get to a few of them. Sure. Like, um, like, this almost could have been good stock footage. Yeah. You know, like that scene with him, with the fire behind him. Yeah. I really like the shot of looking down at the basement and seeing him in the boiler room. Yeah, like I like cool. I like that moment in the nightmare yeah. where, or maybe it's a nightmare. They don't even it's hard to tell. See, that's that's where we're already. We talked a lot <laughs> about what was real and what wasn't in the first one, and yeah. how it seemed like it was almost slightly inconsistent, especially towards the end of the movie. Right. But there's a couple of those in this one too. They didn't yeah. learn from their mistake the first time. Especially in a film where they're really trying to get it into reality. Yeah. Even the nightmare is almost inconsequential now because of yeah. the what where they set the table for the sequel. Yeah, and just to do a quick summary, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> the movie is about... It takes place five years after the original is what it's set, yeah. I believe. Because yeah, it's supposed to be like... Now, 19... now it's set in the future as opposed to the yeah, past. <laughs> because this one was released in 85, but it was supposed to take place in 86. Yeah. Whereas the first one was released in 84, but supposed to take place in 81. But we didn't know that until this movie when they said it happened five years ago. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not as complicated as the Halloween timeline, but it's, it's a little bit um, confusing there. It doesn't really matter either. But as a, you know, like over the last decade, the term Rick roll became a uh, thing. Maybe we could call this Rick Rosenthal. The <laughs> yes. Rick Rosenthal the sequel a little yes. bit because it's it's not it's it's a it's a shell of the original. Uh, yeah, you know. So anyway, sorry, it just came to me. Yeah. So the basic thing is, a new family has moved into the Thompson house where Nancy lived, and she didn't die. Her mom may have. Well, 
they talk about in this movie that her mom did die, but they say she committed suicide. Yeah. So who knows? That's probably what the police report that's says. That's probably, yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of what I got out of it. Whether 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 the bed killed her or the door killed her, we're yeah, not sure. Because <laughs> who would write that on a report? Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but a new family has moved into this house. It is Jesse, the son, with a young sister and his two parents, uh, one played by the great Clue Gulliger. I love Clue Gulliger. He's who, who had a better movie out that year. Yeah, uh, was the Return <laughs> yeah. of the Living Dead. Yeah. Same year, if I'm not mistaken, 1985. It might have been. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. That's 85. So it was a great year for Clue Gulliger. For me, for Clu- <laughs> well, I mean, he had great movies well, before that, I'm sure, sure. But I like. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's fantastic. Basically, what the gist of the movie is is that Freddy. The glove, I think, may is it still in the house? I don't remember if that's it the is. thing. I mean, it is. Yeah, it because is. Because something, something about in the basement, it must be. So yeah. Freddy's presence is still there, but he's been lying dormant, I guess, since the house has been empty. It's yeah. almost like a haunted house sort of thing. Which, you know, people do bash this film for the whole Freddy coming out of the nightmare and into reality. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess that door was never closed from the first one. So I'm I'm actually willing to give this that kind of a benefit. Yeah, uh, it, it's still not good taking Freddy out of <laughs> right, the right. nightmare realm. Yeah. Bring him into reality is not good, but I'm willing to like I said, at least they went consistent with the basic framework of it. Yeah, and the mythology of the Freddy thing and the whole within a dream without a dream still wasn't a hundred percent like fleshed out by this point. No, it wouldn't really do that until three and beyond. Yeah. Which is why three is better. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) But so basically what Freddy is trying to do is he's accosting the kid, Jesse or high school kid, Jesse, and he is basically wanting to take over his body and come to be able to come into the real world in a way through Jesse's body. Yes. And so it's, the problem I have with that basic premise is that the whole premise of the first one was that if you pull him out of the dreams, then he loses his power. So why is he trying to come into the real world? Like, I don't, I never maybe, got that. Maybe he's stuck in limbo now. Maybe whatever, whatever caused the initial thing yeah. to happen is null and void because of what Nancy eh, did. That's the only, maybe. it's the only excuse I can give it. Yeah. Trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> but I they hope. never say that in the movie, so it's... It always felt a little weird to me upon retrospect. So I probably have in my head like the later mythology sure. where it kind of goes against some of that. Yeah. And that's probably why. But it was a little odd, again, coming from the first one where he's in the nightmares of all these different people. Whereas he's just in the nightmares of this one person. So his powers are changed. They're a little different. Yeah. Uh, so that's the basic gist of the plot. And What's the budget on this, by the way? I believe it was more than the first one. Really? I'm almost positive. Maybe I'm just seeing this with fanboy eyes, but it mm-hmm. looks cheaper. Like, it looks like a made-for-television movie. It does, and, I mean, that's a large part. That's the experience gap between Shoulder and Craven. <laughs> sure. It also might be because this is I either the first or second Nightmare movie I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Once again, like I referenced for Halloween 2 back, yeah. back, way back, yeah. as I saw it on KTVT Channel 11, albeit an edited version, had it on video cassette and watched the TV version a lot. Yeah. But I don't remember now where all the cuts are just for that reason. Sure. I'm sure, obviously, a lot of it's in the shower. But, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it just maybe that's why I think it's a television movie. But it does look like it's more on the cheap than this one. Some of the effects are great, but other than that, and I, I actually like some of the gothic opening stuff on the the bus. The bus stuff looks cool to me. Yeah, you yeah. know, I could dig it, yeah. but. Also, maybe just because I used to say this is basically an after-school special if you take Freddy out of it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> I think to me, like, yeah, I agree. It does look more like a TV version. For one, it was rushed. Uh, it was because they were trying to capitalize on the money. Yeah, and which it made way more money than the first one. Yeah, because people knew reputation. About it. Yeah. yeah. And video, home video, yeah. like Nightmare exploded on home video, yeah. and it was already out by that point, I'm sure. So, and that's a lot of what they were building on. I really do like a lot of the makeup effects in this one. Oh, like yeah. some of the other effects yeah. aren't so. The bird is an example of something. I'm like, why the the attack on the coach? I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> not just the context of it, but the actual effects for it. It's like, wow, that's like really not good yeah but the makeup stuff i really like yeah trans transformation not that it's a not that it's on like you know that rick baker american werewolf in london yeah. level yeah but the transformation is really neat yeah the, even as cheesy as the eyeball effect is right that's still something you yeah. never saw before yeah that and one of the ones that i always remember that i still like is when early in the movie jesse has one of his nightmares and he that's where he sees him in the basement and he kind of Freddy's kind of following him throughout the house, and yeah. when he finally meets him beside the stairs, yeah. he basically tells him, "I want, you, I need your body. You have the body, I have the brains." And he yeah. pulls back his head, pulls yeah. the skin off the top of his head, and he has his brain there. It, yeah. I love that shot; it's really cool. Which made it into the television version, oh, did it? Or not. Yeah, nice. which wow. is that. I know that's crazy, yeah. isn't it? But it's. I'm so glad it did. Yeah, that, that was that's my favorite part of the movie, probably. Yeah. Well, of course the notwithstanding the dogs with the human faces <laughs> okay yeah I, I don't consider those no, makeup we'll talk, effects we'll talk about that we'll later. talk about that one towards the end <laughs> but i couldn't get too far without talking about the dogs and freddie himself like the burn makeup he looks more like meaty or something and yeah. you can see it better he's lit a lot more in this movie yeah robert england becomes more you know he did towards the end of part one as yeah. well but he becomes the star here yeah there's and, definitely more personality as well and the, we might as well mention this now like the behind the scenes stuff on here like the the, the producers uh, and the new line apparently didn't value robert as the guy yeah. and thought that just yeah. anybody could waltz in and play this part yeah and they learned what they waste about a week's worth of film? I think in, so. Until they figure that out, I'd love to see how Nightmare reboot that looks like. Yeah, it must have been terrible because yeah, they actually had someone else, just a stuntman or something, yeah. just put in the makeup, and they were quickly realized, oh wow, we need an actor for this. Yeah, and apparently it's one of the, that's what separates Freddy from all of these yeah, other guys. Yeah. And no disrespect to anybody who's played yeah. Jason or The Shape, but. That is one guy doing that one job, and he's yeah. the only guy that can do it. Yeah. I'll say it again on multiple parts. <laughs> right. God, that was so stupid of them. How, how, how do you not know? Especially after the first one. I'm sorry. How do you not know? They're, I mean, like I said, no like little experience. I think yeah. they just didn't realize what they were getting into. And apparently, I don't remember which scene it said, but apparently you can see the double in like a shot or two really? it's probably like a wide shot or just an incidental thing maybe it's that shot i like so much where he's looking down at the basement <laughs> maybe it might be it's his back to the camera and he's not moving yeah yeah, yeah. So, or he's just pulling the stuff out of the, the glove out of the thing yeah sure yeah so yeah i don't know yeah, well at least we figured out why the house was so hot 
<laughs> yeah, that's one thing. So some of the motifs of this movie, I think, uh, fire and heat was one thing. I kind of liked how they did that throughout the movie. It made sense for just being in the house, but also like Jesse was just... He was hot all the time, and as the movie went on, it got more and more and worse and worse. Ball of sweat, no matter where yeah. he goes, yeah. whether, even if he's at school. I mean, yeah. Granted, he's outside half the time, but even yeah. when he's just sitting in the cafeteria, yeah. it you, you just get nervous for him. Yeah. Like, I, I will say, and Mark Patton, I think he did a great job in the yeah. film. Yeah, he's, he's a good actor. He was yeah. a young actor. He'd been in a few, like a couple television shows. One, and there, There's some, we talked about Clue earlier, there's some good actors in here, making yeah. some pretty good performances. Yeah. And at no time in the film was I just like, oh, that person's terrible, you know? And, and yeah. in these films, you can f- usually find those kind of, you know, garbage people, like yeah. we talked about before, not just in the character, but just like, ugh. You yeah. know, you, did you get these people straight out of acting school or not even that? You know, like yeah. some of these movies kind of reek of that sometimes, but I think everybody did a good job. You yeah. Know? I mean, you have Clue uh, Gulliger in there, who's the, the veteran. I just yeah. I like saying his name. I yeah, think he's sure. Keep, and yeah. only get one shot in this yeah. episode. And Jesse, of course, played by Mark Patton, a uh, young actor. Hadn't been in much, like I said, a, a t- couple TV shows. I should know the name. I just didn't write him down. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, who is his maybe love interest, definitely good friend. Um, played by Kim Myers. Yeah. Uh, she still does... This was her first film. So, yeah. Well, we're out of film she, school. Oh, she's the introducing. Yeah. Well, she, she was good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember they even said they cast her because she looked like a young Meryl Streep. She totally I looks like Meryl totally Streep. I totally see that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah. yeah, I liked her. She She's done a lot of TV since then. Yeah. Um, she was in the... Hellraiser Bloodline movie. That's Ooh. the one where they went to space. Oh my gosh. And I haven't seen that. That's the one where the director took an Alan Smithy credit. So, oh. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll get to the Hellraiser series. I'm sure we will at some point. That's yeah. going to be a tough one to get through, though. You'll see how hard you have to twist my arm on that one. <laughs> it, oh, real quick. So you brought it up. What's worse, Hellraiser 2 or Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Uh, I I would say Hellraiser 2. Ooh, wow. Because I remember extremely disliking that, but it could be a situation <laughs> where it's like a Halloween 2 Rob Zombie where I watch it again and I'm like, okay, I can see what they were doing. Okay. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe we so, should. Well, so we'll get to that Maybe later. we're going to have to, you know. All right. Well. And then uh, um, <laughs> Jesse's best friend, kind of best enemy friend. They're kind of antagonistic. Frenemy. That's a new term. Let's get the kids on the sure, show. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, played by Robert Russler. So, yeah. yeah. He was he was good. He was it was he was I in did, a better movie that year. Right, Weird yeah, science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of better movies going on. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah, 85 was a good year. I, it really it really is honestly, yeah, like yeah. Uh, especially for genre films, uh, yeah. but yeah, Return of the Living Dead and Weird Science, I've rewatched a ton in my yeah. lifetime. So go watch those movies. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I never really under I guess I did understand the the friendship, frenemy ship between Jesse and Grady is what he called him. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, because at first... I just think the name Grady is a character. Yeah. I cannot get past Sanford and Son. No. Like, I just, <laughs> like, what, what What kind of choice is that? Anyway, because he looks like the... He, he looks kind of like the Travolta guy of the school. Like, he does, he's got yeah. this dumbass name. Yeah. Or a guy that looks like a guy that drinks a lot of Thunder Ripple. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. But, yeah, he's kind of like the jock, and Jesse seems like the, the nerd, and it seems yeah. like it's going to be... He's a new kid. Pretty, and... pretty clear-cut, like... Bully guy and the guy that is bullied, but it doesn't really turn out that way. They're yeah. sort of friends. They eat lunch together and they're <laughs> acting goofy and I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I do remember one fun behind the scene thing, the cafeteria scene that I referenced earlier. Mm. But there's this thing where he just keeps going 
for like how much food can I stuff yeah. in my mouth? Yeah. And I guess they said that he was a little like kind of thrown off by how many takes they did, so he never got rid of the food that was in his mouth from the previous <laughs> take. So that why it just gets to the point of absurdity by the end of the scene. I love it. I, I think that's great. That's good. It's, it's a good choice. It's one of the only funny scenes or legit funny scenes yeah. in the whole film. Everything else is really like dark and depressing, really. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Well then the dance scene. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So that, yeah, that relationship with Jesse and Grady, I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what to think about it a lot of the time. I think and, I know what the writers thought about yeah, it. Well, yeah. With Jesse and Lisa, also not really sure what to think about that all the time either. Does she like him? Does he like her? She clearly likes him. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. That's the main crux of the story. Yeah. She yeah. loves him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just get away with the like here. It's, well, I mean, at first, by the end of the movie, yeah, it's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, I still wasn't, it's it's not as sure. clear. It's very ambiguous. Yeah. Well, she, she initially starts to like him a lot and builds up that because yeah. he's actually pretty charming early on in the film. Yeah. For about 20 minutes right <laughs> so basically what i'm trying to say is that there's a lot of ambiguity in this movie <laughs> and watching it again all these years later i've watched it a few times over the years and i don't remember what i thought the first time i saw this movie but i'm pretty sure i picked up on a lot of stuff the first time i watched this movie because i wasn't five when i watched it i'm sure i watched it later because like I, I think i said on the last one i think three was the first one i saw yeah but first one i saw on cut yeah. for sure so let's just talk about the Jesse character and watching this movie looking at it from the point of view of him being a homosexual and not realizing it and not realizing what's going on with his emotions and his body and stuff and having Freddy be a representation of that is I mean it's classic horror stuff like horror throughout the entirety of the genre going beyond movies and into literature and everything else represents all these things changes to the body um, things you don't know about yourself represented physically and it's a very clear reading in the movie for you to see it this way and throughout most of the movie it makes a whole lot of sense there's tons of factors throughout the movie that it's impossible to deny that this was the intention the writer david chaskin like i said 1985 was a different world. Sure. This oh, was yeah. AIDS. It was a different world just 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's the first time I rewatched it realizing and catching all of this. Oh, really? So 20 years ago, Joey was yeah. 20 years old, Chris. Yeah. You, you know this. Yes. And even then, and I'd like to think I'm definitely more evolved now. Sure. But 20 years old, still a little sophomoric, still yeah. hasn't fully evolved in his brain. Sure. But even on that surface, I really just went for the simplicity of like, ah, isn't that funny? Yeah. So and you can't, and I wasn't being, I wasn't hating. Sure. I was just saying, oh, I would sell this to people like, hey, guess what happens when you take Freddy out of this movie? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, you, it could be played off as a joke or as David Chaskin was doing whenever this was coming out and people clearly immediately in 1985 saw what was in the movie yeah. and they were like, hey, is that what this is about? And David Chaskin denied it. He was like, nope, it's not. Everybody was in denial, yeah, apparently. Yeah, we'll get back to him in a second because yeah. I don't really like that guy after okay. reading some of the background stuff. All right. But uh, like I was saying, 1985, this was when being gay wasn't accepted as much. It was coming up but this was also the start of the aids epidemic in america yeah which and, is the the greatest villain 
of yeah. that community along with the part of government that yeah. condemns those type of people. Yeah. And it's it's really unfortunate. This was kind of at the beginning of when it was getting really, really bad, like the height of the hysteria and the homophobia. Yeah. And so Mark Patton has since much later since come out, he is a gay man. Yeah. And I love how much he owns yeah. his character here. Yeah. Even if some of this seems like it might have been under some sort of duress and he's having to deny it also. But the ownership that I love that he takes on it now mm. is that he finally said, I would have people come up to me at signings and yeah. say that we play the dance scene in montages yeah. at gay clubs. Yeah. And the fact that he is self-admitted a classic scream queen. Yeah. And I will say, that being said, that dude can scream. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just saying it to qualify yeah. anything else I'm going to say or have said. Yeah. That's a hell of a scream. Right. Yeah. And he and that's a horror hall of fame scream. That's just right below Linnea Quigley, I think. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Um, and that's high praise. Yeah. So, get, sorry, continue, Chris. Get back to your, uh, your thing here. I just wanted to bring that up. Sorry. Yeah, no, of course. Looking into some of the background, um, we'll get back to reading the movie, but I sure. want to talk about this because okay. this is pretty crappy um, behind the scenes stuff. So, Mark Patton was closeted. He was not out at the time. Okay. He played a gay character on a previous, on one of the TV shows, but he did not come out because he was afraid to. Well, yeah. Um, you could be blacklisted, especially in that environment um, in Hollywood yeah. at the time. In certain um, circles, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, when this movie was written, and apparently they were making changes as they went along, and the director and the writer both had input about like what should happen on the screen things like that some was in the script some was clearly on the set like they're in one shot to completely be unable to deny anything on his door on jesse's door there's that sign that is that's changed a bit the original probably said no out of town checks the biggest words were no and checks but the e was whited out and there was an i said no chicks that's what yeah. the sign on his door said yeah you can't deny anything about this yeah. that and the kate bush poster inside of his room <laughs> right sorry yeah. i mean that's just uh i mean he's supposed to be a 16 year old kid in high school yeah. or something like that oh. and that's uh yeah that's all not hating once again no yeah <laughs> but when people started when critics and people fans started to ask like is that what this movie is about chaskin and shoulder the writer and director denied it there's a no like if you see that then i mean that's kind of on you and also any <laughs> any performance was up to mark Patton. mark Patton did all of that mark Patton made the choices in the dance mark Patton is responsible for anything you see as being gay oh okay so he's in the editing suite too mark good good right. it's good that he's multi-talented yeah. that way so yeah that was totally i could see how it's all his call right and the the darkest side of this is that, like I said, Mark Patton was closeted at the time. Yeah. He didn't want to be typecast as a gay character. He didn't want people to ask questions necessarily right. because he was afraid of what it would do to his career. Sure. After Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, he did a couple more TV shows in 1986, and he dropped out of acting altogether. He uh -huh. stopped. He, had to, he left Hollywood because in the environment that he was in, he couldn't do it. He probably yeah, killing him mentally. He, he yeah. wouldn't have gotten any jobs. He was terrified to come out apparently, no. and he didn't start acting again until 2016. Wow. He's done like a couple movies in the past four years, but yeah, it it killed his acting career. Sure. 
And I lay all of that blame on Chaskin because for years, it wasn't until 2010 that Chaskin was finally like, yeah, I mean, I wrote that stuff in there. Wow. They really threw him under the bus, yeah. man. That is that is some shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah I understand why you're angry now. Like, yeah. that, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, no. had to get that out of the way. No, so, yeah. I, I had no idea. I mean, I knew that everybody denied it, but I didn't know it went to that extreme. Yeah. And so Mark Patton has gone on record saying that he felt like betrayed basically yeah. by by the people that made the movie. And you know what? Because uh, they basically old... they outed him when he didn't want to be. They forced yeah, that upon him. That that's awful. Yeah, I will say there there's been some people, and maybe they don't know the whole story, and that's why they say this. So I'll, I'll give yeah. them a little bit of a pass. Some of the critics that kind of you know trash him for going on the uh, horror con circuit and posing with the glove. I'll really? say to be fair, he wore he got to wear the glove in the yeah. film. I think it's yeah. legit. Yeah. It's not like him saying I'm better than Robert England or anything. I never no. thought that. No. But I love the fact that he tours the horror cons and yeah. you can pose with him with the glove. Absolutely. I've seen people take that shot. Yeah. But yeah, all I'm saying is don't criticize that man for making a few extra bucks at the horror con by, yeah. by sporting the glove. I, I, he's not taking it over. And second of all, that's that's some reparation money, honestly, right there. So yeah, yeah. I, good I on am... you, man super happy that he has like you said like he owns it now and he's i don't know if he's proud of it but he's using it as part of his identity to a certain extent it seems oh. and he's profiting from it and making it a positive rather than the negative it had been for like 30 years of his life yeah uh he probably had to make a lot of peace to get to that point yeah. even and yeah. so I, I i truly believe that he's not being a huckster i, I, oh, no. I support yeah. him in what he does yeah is he doing horror uh, he, yeah, I think he did a few like like super duper low budget things. Okay. It looks like yeah. I haven't seen any of them, but Some, I, just, somebody, I looked uh, on up in his IMDb and saw yeah. a few credits. He's probably gonna be like what in his early fifties right now or late forties. Uh, like, like get, get get him some work, guys. Yeah. Come on, you know I'm sure he could go. Yeah, like make it happen. <laughs> All right, so back to the movie, and so as I think, okay, obviously this movie doesn't work as a regular ass horror movie, right? Because it's not. It's, it's campy more than scary. It's not visually interesting most of the time. No. Some of the transformation stuff is kind of cool. The yeah. one in Grady's room where he likes coming out of his chest, or the, the... which is the most damning telltale, yeah. I think. See, you could look at stuff like we talk about the posters on the wall. Yeah, but that is the most obvious thing. Even the twenty-year-old Joey figured mm -hmm. out. Hey, he's about to make it with the girl in the cabana, mm -hmm. and then Freddie is coming out of his body. Yeah. And he runs for the hills, and where does he go? He goes to Grady's house. Right. Can and I sleep here tonight? Grady literally says, like, because yeah. Jesse told him what where he came from, yeah. and Jesse was Grady literally says, "You left there to come sleep with me." Like that's the actual line. Yeah. yeah. Paraphrasing something here or sure. there, but yeah. he says to sleep with me. That's yeah. what he says. Right. So yeah. you can't deny stuff yeah. like that. So I even picked up on that. That's the yeah. most obvious one yeah. right there. But a few vignettes and a few cool effects does not a movie make, right? right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it can. I guess right. it does. <laughs> it got into a theater. Right. But as far as, like, rewatchability and all that, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work for me. Yeah. The only time you could... I You could sell this to have someone who doesn't even like horror movies or hates Freddy Krueger to watch this movie just because of this kind of context. Yeah. Because it's interesting. Right. So that's the only time the movie is really interesting. Yeah. And it had to become that... To become watchable. Right. So on the surface, 
thumbs down. Yeah, it's it's not a good movie, and I, for the longest time, I didn't watch it because I just don't enjoy it, really. Yeah. Uh, watching it as a metaphor, it makes it better. Sure. It really does. <laughs> but then it falls apart at the end, which you get to in a minute. Yeah. What is, I've always wondered this now that I know what the movie's about. Mm. What does the exploding bird mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like, what deep-rooted thing does that symbolize, Chris? That Do is... we have to go into, like, some major existentialism to get the exploding bird? I think you must, because I like to try to find the metaphors, but I've got nothing for you there. I think that was something, that I can't imagine they, that was in the script, but maybe it was. But it's so <laughs> dumb. It's real. It's really bad. Like it's really, really bad. Yeah. It's just not even done well. Like in the, the shot, the the way it's shot, it just looks stupid. Yeah, and, and, and you know another positive about the movie, Clue Gulager. They give him such a generic character. Yeah. All you kids, you're all on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. He hams it up, and it goes over the top to the point where it's good again. Yeah, and it, it makes sense in a movie like this. Right. Uh, and it's, you know, keeping the tradition of parents just don't understand in most slashers, they are, you know, the, the mom's a little more sympathetic, obviously, but you do have yeah. to have that balance. Yeah. But she's still, she's in denial about whatever's wrong anyway. Yeah. She just, well, maybe it'll go away. She's yeah. one of those. Yeah. And him, he's like about to send him over to military school or something yeah. where he'll just get worse. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I like I like the bus location stuff, and I like the steel mill location. Looks like he got a job hanging out after school in Footloose. Right. Uh, you know, so, but, uh, so big-ass steel mills, like, really work for me. Yeah. Like, in these movies. <laughs> right. And I'm sure, like, they didn't even have to get a permit for that. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's, like, I'm trying to think of, that the only positives I got is Clue Gulliger. I like Mark <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, good screamer. Some of the sets are good. That's about it. Yeah. And it felt a little weird overall. I was reading some of Robert England's comments about the movie as well. And he seems like he's trying to be diplomatic a lot of times. Because I was reading the Fangorias from when... Around when the movie came out and just a little bit after. And he was saying that he... Different interviews, he seems to go back and forth a little bit. And he had issues with parts of the movie too. Uh, some of the parts of the movie that he didn't like, which I kind of agree with, were... When they were trying to talk about, like, the older stuff, the stuff with Nancy, getting the diary, like, that was one of the things where Robert England was, like, that just completely, like, dropped all the momentum out of the movie. Because they're just, they're reading this diary, and you don't need to rehash all that. It's yeah. it's okay to leave that a mystery to these characters, because yeah. we've already seen it, and if you hadn't seen it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All you have to do is drop in a couple of sentences instead of having a whole scene. Yeah. Like, even, like, when she comes back up to him in school, where she's like, oh, yeah, I read that diary, yeah. and she had, she had some bad stuff happen to her, right. and that's all you have to say. Yeah. You know. Um, also, he had an issue with the whole pool party scene. And thinking about it, like, I talked about the first Nightmare saying that I didn't really think it was so much of a slasher as far as it was more like this fantasy kind of horror movie, yeah. psychological. Um, I kind of agree with that same thing with this one. I don't really think it's a slasher either because up to the point of the pool party, which is almost at the end of the movie, yeah. two people died before that. It was the coach kind of early in the movie, yeah. and then all the way up to Grady, which happened just before the pool party. Yeah. So it's not it's not a slasher. Uh, it's it will be in the next one, but in this one, I don't really consider it a slasher either. There's a lot yeah. of deaths at the pool party, but it's another thing that just feels so weird. And 
they had to rush through so many things. In the first one, every death was important and yeah. every death was memorable. Yeah. In this one, they're memorable for a different reason. Like the person who falls down the <laughs> off the fence and then fire just goes boof. First in the fire. Yeah. Um, people were supposedly boiled in the pool, but I didn't really see it. I didn't. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. I mean, I caught that there was boiling water, but yeah. that's about it. That that fire thing, that <laughs> spontaneous combustion yeah. or whatever. They weren't even playing Spinal Tap at the pool right. party. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bizarre scene. I, it's definitely one of the least liked scenes in the history of the franchise by yeah. fans, and I totally understand why. Yeah. And it kills a lot of the Freddy mysticism. He's in real life, quote unquote. Yeah, and it's just bad. And like, and just the way he. The only thing good is like the jump scare, and that's not even all that great. Uh, you know, like when he comes out of the floor, oh, when he actually literally jumps, <laughs> comes yeah. out of the ground. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like, and then like he makes his exit, bursting into flames through the shrubbery. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, was, like, it was all just real weird. Scene. And yeah, none of the deaths matter in that scene at all. You don't know any of them. No, yeah. they're all just faces. They're and you know, they're just people from school that we yeah. haven't seen the whole film and. Yeah. So it's, it. I mean, it really does feel like Chaskin, the writer, just didn't really know what the first one was about. Mm. And he didn't really know how to make a movie like this. Uh, he actually apparently did get some advice from Wes Craven at some point. I was reading that in one of those Fangorias. And apparently Chaskin had initially written it like 100% based on Jesse. And one of Craven's critiques was, hey... Maybe focus on Lisa a bit too, make it a little bit more 50 50 so you can get yeah. this dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. And apparently, Chaskin kind of backed off of Jesse a bit, but clearly, he didn't take much of uh, Craven's advice. Right. Which is good advice because Lisa's going to have to be the hero here. Yeah. Who else is going to do it? Right. So, yeah. So, let's get to the final scene. Sure. Uh, it happens after the pool party scene. So, after, basically, the whole first three quarters of the movie is just Freddy trying to come out of Jesse. They don't really explain, like, what needs to happen for that to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see a few times where Freddy is using Jesse's body... And it's unclear, like we said before, what's a dream and what isn't. Yeah. Are we seeing this from Jesse's point of view or if it's actually really happening in the real world? It's yeah, we got mirrors and we literally yeah. have smoke and mirrors here. Right. There's <laughs> at different points in the movie they use smoke and mirrors right. <laughs> to show us everything, but they don't show they don't tell us anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You never get any kind of explanation about any of it. So but after the pool party, like we said, Jesse Lisa and Jesse had come together. Jesse runs away, goes to Grady, kill Grady, and then He comes back to the house with the blood all over him. And yeah, that's yeah. when the transformation takes right. place. So apparently a literal real world transformation because everyone in the party sees Freddy when he burns through the fence, he goes to the was it steel mill. Yeah, it's so like it was, a steel mill, abandoned yeah. abandoned barn mill. It's because yeah. it's, it's, that's yeah. where the boiler room was supposed to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely makes sense. It would be a steel mill then. Right. Yeah. Because you need fire to make <laughs> yeah. that steel. Yeah. So the fire comes back. Um, like I said, I did like the way it looked. This was apparently supposed to be the representation of hell. I guess in the steel mill because it's there's the red and the green lighting throughout uh, much of this it, yeah. it, lit, it was lit pretty cool which i only noticed on this last viewing yeah 
Yeah, it was. It became blatant. I was like, I felt yeah. stupid that I hadn't noticed <laughs> before. But then again, I hadn't analyzed the movie in the right. same way I had before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Lisa knows where he's going because Lisa had been the one to show Jesse where this was. She yeah. figured out where Freddy had been before he was killed. Yes. And so she goes there and she meets the the two dogs <laughs> with human faces. And if it had been like the faces of Grady and the coach, I'd have been like. All right, maybe, maybe, but which, which would have set precedent for the the faces on the yeah. chest in the next one, right. right? Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It was just some really bad looking faces on dogs, and <laughs> I guess they were supposed to be the guardians of hell or whatever. Sure. And so yeah. anyway, Lisa goes in there, and basically stuff happens, and Freddy kind of accosts her. But the gist that I'm trying to get to is that this whole movie is building up this clearly obvious metaphor for Freddy being the repression, the fear that Jesse has about coming out, about being himself. So the final act of the movie has Lisa come in and when she confronts Freddy, the way that she defeats Freddy is with a kiss. Yep. Love defeats Freddy and Yeah, <laughs> in a basic sense, <laughs> a heterosexual romantic love cured this supposedly gay man of his gayness. Yeah, and that's the happy ending because that causes Freddy to melt away. I mean, that's pretty garbage. It's it's absolute hack garbage yeah. for sure. They could have taken this with the context that they knew existed beforehand, and come up with an ending. That would have been very tasteful. Yeah. And then even if, like, they didn't get caught with it right away, years later, like we're talking about, down the line goes, man, you really said something there. Yeah. In the same way that Stan Lee gets, like, this good credit for, like, being really on the front end of civil rights. Like, those kind of things. And not that people didn't notice it before, but right. we really notice these things now because yeah. we we tend to be in a, a generation where we overanalyze yeah. a lot of stuff, sometimes yeah. to an annoying degree. Right. <laughs> and unfortunately, did something that looked like this was financed by, you know, whatever church of whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just, it comes off as propaganda now. It, it does. It's, it's so bad. Yeah. And knowing now since... Chaskin has come out and said that he has said he's on record as saying that he wanted to capitalize on the like paranoia of homosexuality and at the time that it came out and for him to do that and to have the movie end like that where it's a pretty clear metaphor you can't deny what that is yeah you can't work your no. way around that one absolutely it not. does not in any way squash the homophobia it just it stokes the flames yeah like that's the motif it's stoking those flames looking into watching the movie critically this time i haven't ever done it this much for this one because i didn't care to because i didn't like the movie (laughs) very much but doing that plus looking into the like the backstory and and the the context and everything makes me like this movie even less yeah yeah it's that's an absolute shit thing in an otherwise shit movie. It could have been so much more. Yeah. But it, it's be, on both ends now. There's no redeeming value whatsoever. The only thing... I'm sure I'll watch this movie again in the future. But when I watch it, I will be watching for Mark Patton and... Uh, Robert England And Robert England And Clue And, 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 <laughs> and for Kim Myers. And just watching them and being... I like Grady. And Grady, yeah. <laughs> and being <laughs> happy with 
the fact that they've made something positive out of this relic that deserves to be left back in the 80s, I think. Yeah. The fact that this happened in my lifetime still, you know, you, right. look, you think about Birth of a Nation and that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. and you're like, man, yeah, and this existed in my lifetime. Yeah. It's just like, man, that sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. Oh, man, I can't wait to get to part three, Chris. <laughs> you want to get out of here? Yeah, let's get to the body count. All right, body count, it's, as in the first one, it was a little bit unclear as far as with the mother. We know she did a die eventually. This one's a little bit even less clear to me. I made really? my I made Oh because of the, because party. the party. Damn, man. Yeah. I made my own notes as we were watching, but then I did like an online just to compare notes because I, I try to do that in case I miss something. Sure. I counted nine in my notes. The thing I saw counted like eleven or twelve. Well, ten for sure. So I was only like one off. But and I'll go add, through work. Add one for the art of writing right <laughs> add one for that okay so the first one we've already talked about the first death in the movie was coach snyder who after jesse wakes up does he wake up he goes to the bar we didn't even get to the yeah. bar not and this is the thing i hate you can always tell when it's a hacky reviewer of yeah. this film because they call it a gay bar yeah i ain't a gay bar that's like a leather s&m leather bar. bar yeah yeah there's lots of women in that bar yeah by the way, Robert Shea, the producer, plays the bartender. Yeah. Here's your other fun all, thing. All in leather. I did remember that. Yeah. But yeah, so just continue. Yes. So Coach Snyder sees Jesse there, and I guess Jesse was there to, I don't know what he was doing there. He was probably forced there by Freddie. I'm sure Freddie made yeah. him go. Yeah. And well, he got his, the information early in the film. I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but like, why did he go? But yeah, yeah, just, know, yeah. So the coach takes him, makes him do like after hours push or laps or something. Yeah, in the yeah, gym. Yeah. In the gym. So this is the one where Coach Snyder is, he's attacked by balls. Uh, the balls in his room just come flying at him. Balls in his face. And every other part of his body. I'll say it because I know you yeah. <laughs> And then he is dragged into the showers, steam, heat, again, the motif of heat and fire yeah. and stuff. Yes. And then he's stripped naked with his butt in full view of the camera, and he is—he's whipped or something. He is right? also tied up, tied up, uh, and, and yeah. submissive uh, the legs yeah. and arms yeah. splayed out. Yep, and slash and everything. So yep. that was that was Coach Snyder's yes. exit. Mm -hmm. uh, way later in the movie, the next one is Ron Grady. After Jesse goes to Grady after failing to have sex with Lisa, Freddie comes out of Jesse's body. And kills Grady with the claws up against the door as his parents are banging on the on the door on the other side. Mm -hmm. Number three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine are all in the party. They all happen within like a minute of each other. Um, the thing I saw, two were boiled. One, like we said, fell into the fire. One was trampled, which I saw. One was gutted, which I saw. And then the one that was like, "Hey, dude, oh, the dude down." His, yeah. his his tie his actual. Like, character name is Do-Gooder, is isn't it? it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was slashed and then thrown across. So, yeah. that was up to nine. Okay, so number ten, I'm a little unsure of. It says Carrie. Carrie was Lisa's friend. Yes. This happens in... So, there's the bookend of the bus scenes. Yeah. With the bus driver being played by Robert Englund. Right. Which yes. was actually a callback to the first movie that didn't actually make it into the original movie where England wanted to be driving the car at the end of the movie. Yeah. Which is always a bad idea. Yeah. That, that is never a good idea, that particular right. scene. So at the end of the movie, it seems like a happy ending. Like they're actually all going to school. Jesse and Lisa are 
happily i'm doing finger quotes here a couple now mm -hmm. so whatever yes and carrie is up behind him and then as it's happening she gets stabbed through the chest with the gloves yeah did she really die i mean in the context of the film i say it should count yeah. because if it's a dream or not she's still dead yeah even if she let's say she's the one dreaming this yeah she is dead now right so i'm counting i'm gonna go encounter so that's 10 that's the end. The thing that I saw online actually had a question mark for Jesse and Lisa as well because the the bus well, keeps going and yeah, they might die. But, nobody, no death. But I'm not counting them. So yeah. I'm capping it at 10, the yes. end. Did you get Jesse's gay side on the body count list? Yes. <laughs> I already said it was a death to writing. Okay, so we I think we said everything we yeah. should possibly ever say about this film. If there is a good epilogue to this whole discussion, I think looking at uh, Chaskin's imdb credits he didn't really do much after that so Good. his career kind of tanked anyway so. actually it's it's not even remotely rewarding unless the next credit says like walmart greeter <laughs> right you want to go yes please right. I, I can't wait to get to the let's next we're gonna get to a really good one coming up you have to hit three. rock bottom to get yeah. to, to the okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be able to find that on cnjradio.com the home of all of the cnj radio podcasts so, of course, that's where you can find The Last Theater, The Wrestling House Show, I Am Vinyl, Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic, and Talking Rock with Joey and Mark. So, go check out all of those at cnjradio.com or some of your favorite podcasting platforms. The Last Theater is on Twitter, at The Last Theater. I try to tweet there more and more, so go give me a, give me a follow, maybe. Maybe, if you like it, do that, and let us know what you thought about Freddy's Revenge. Was it something that you hold dear because of the representation early in the movie, or is it something that you don't care about because it's not a very good movie? Let us know, and we will talk to you on the next one. All right.